Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits. This is episode 73. My name is Luke Navarro. And I'm being crushed by garage sale stickers. <laughs> I can't believe the garage sale has come back around. I know, right? Like, I, I, I have become, like, I don't know why, but somehow with this ministry in particular, I, I, I gauge it by your life events. <laughs> because, I mean, you have this, like, really routine... That's a terrible word. I don't mean routine as in dull. I just mean routine as in, like, As in regular. stuff happens year after right, year. Right, exactly. And, uh, you know... You've got your, you got the, the, the steampunk uh, expo. You've got, uh, well, G- uh, Gen Con's becoming a thing for you. You know, yes, it is. And the garage sale. I mean, it's a thing, right? It's it's a big part of your life. And uh, out there, uh, I, you know what? It's terrible weather here. I can't imagine that you could be having a garage sale in New Jersey. Okay. Because I just assume that at any given point in life, your weather's worse than ours. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably a safe bet as a rule. But for those of you who might be joining us for the first time, my name is actually Mike Perna. And uh, yeah, this year I, I'm, I've been the chaplain for our local volunteer first aid and rescue squad for, I've lost count, it's it's over a decade. And for that entire time, I have been a part of a fundraising event for our guys because they are completely volunteer. Uh, called the annual townwide garage sale. What happens is basically people for a small fee, people will be put on on one map, and they kind of fall under our umbrella kind of permit because in this town you do need a permit to to run a garage sale, and pretty much the money comes in to keep our guys running, keep our guys doing what they do. Uh, this year, I believe the number is up around 65 different garage sales are happening tomorrow. I will have a table myself, which is going to be super fun. I have, you know, I'm still kind of randomly collecting junk that will go on our table. Uh, part of which is actually selling off my old Xbox 360. Because, because, well, my video games, my experience is now partly due to just a lack of quality titles on the Xbox and well and at this point you pretty much assume there's not going to be yeah there's not going to be anything that, that at best you're looking at a co-release but even things like like they're going to eventually release Titanfall on Xbox 360 but eh. and it, basically anything that's out there I'd, I'd rather play on my PC anyway especially now that you know with you know, being married and, and entering into married life, I can't bogart the television. Mm. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It, it, I can't take over the living room. So I might as well be playing on my PC anyway. So I'm, I'm selling that off. But, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be good, especially because, you know, my wife and I, I mean, we're nowhere near any kind of completion, but part of the reason why, this recording is is actually getting in more under the wire than usual is because my wife and I have been house hunting lately. Quite the task. It is quite the undertaking. So it's kind of good to really wonder how much stuff do we want to at at some point in the not too distant future pack up and move to another location. And when you when you look at your stuff with that kind of mindset, 
you're really able to let a lot more of it go than you thought you would. There's probably a, a spiritual lesson in there somewhere, but uh, you know, you, you ought to try. Uh, you know, Mike, Mike and I are we're about the same age, give or take. I, I think maybe pretty close. Yeah, it's within uh, a couple years. But uh, I've been married for 15 years. I've got a 10 year old, um, dude. Stuff. <laughs> I mean, I have like my garage is. Re- I mean, ridiculous. And I, I just literally overwhelmed with stuff. Like every time I try to do anything in my house, a little message pops up that says, you're over encumbered. You can't move. <laughs> <laughs> and... Dude, that's why I don't play with encumbrance rules. That's awful. Uh, but uh, I get it. I have to admit, though, I am the worst garage sailor in the world. Okay. I'm the guy who will just put everything out there and sit there and people will come and be like, how much for this toolbox? 25 cents. <laughs> you know? My wife's like, oh, it's worth so much more. Take yeah. it away. Get it well, away from my house. And uh, I'm, I feel like you just leave whatever money you want to leave. Just then get it away from my house. My, so my yeah, wife, I'm the guy. My I'll sell not... like big pieces of furniture for 10 bucks and stuff like that. Yeah, my wife does not understand the difference between a garage sale and regular sales. Um, so she is actually going to be away this weekend. Okay. <laughs> and so she's entrusting me to sell this stuff. And so among this... Do you have a quota? It's no. It's like you have to come back with this much money. No. Uh, among, among the stuff, though, she, she comes at me with a, a basket full of, like, random clothes that she doesn't want anymore. And she goes, right. you can add this to the sale. And I'm like, okay, sure. She goes... And so she gives me a list, like, I think that some of them should go for this much, and some of them... I go, I'm like, no, Suze, everything in here is a dollar an item. And she goes, but it's worth more than that. And then I go, okay, two dollars an item. She goes, but not all of them are worth that. I'm like, no, this is not how... <laughs> yeah, so uh, maybe it's just a, a male-female thing, I don't know. Is out the door, out the door. Let's go. If we have enough money for pizza at the end of this thing, I'm happy. I I will be perfectly content if I can get pretty. If I can get around what we got last year with our random collection of of stuff and nonsense, I will be happy because that will be enough that I I can pretty much get myself something fun while still having money left over to like pay down bills and do other adult stuff. Mm, sounds fun. Sounds fun. Um, you know, you mentioned that you're getting rid of your Xbox 360. I'm sitting here looking at mine right now and thinking, I haven't touched the th- My kids have played it a little bit, but I haven't touched the thing in forever. It's been a and really yet, long time for me. <laughs> and yet, I have played some video games. Uh, I have been playing video games lately, and, uh, you know, I, I mentioned Diablo 3 uh, a few months back, or maybe a few weeks back. I don't remember how long it's been now. Uh, but I also picked up the new Civilization expansion. I don't understand what Sid Meier's and Firaxis put in that code, but whatever it is, it makes me give them money. <laughs> and, I, it, it, like, like I, I'll tell you why I bought this expansion. I bought this expansion solely because it has an awesome scenario for the American Civil War. I dropped money just for that scenario. That's 
And I knew as I was doing it. I'm clicking the buttons thinking, this is so stupid. But I'm still doing it, and I can't make my fingers stop. Nice. It's ridiculous. But Are, uh, yeah, are you going to end up buying the one for outer space? Um, You know, we'll wait and see, obviously. We'll wait and see uh, how, how it goes. Um, I mean, I did play Alpha Centauri back in the day. Um, they're definitely they're definitely selling the this. Day. Yeah, they're definitely selling this as basically Alpha Centauri HD. Yeah, and they they call it the spiritual successor, which I think is what you say when you don't own the naming rights, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I mean, look, I'm gonna pick it up. There's no doubt about it. The question is, am I gonna pick it up when it's sixty bucks? Or am I going to pick it up when it's on Steam for $8? Yeah, or are you going to be mad at me again when I eventually pick it up for yeah, 3 right. bucks on a summer sale? You know, but there, there are not too many games that I'm, like, fanboyish of. And Civilization is one of them. I mean, I don't think it was the first video game, computer game I ever played. But it was the first computer game that I ever played that I was like, oh... This is totally different than any video game I have ever played. You know, I mean, even like, I, I think some of the very first games I ever played, um, I'm kind of going back now, but I mean, uh, other than the stuff on like your Commodore, your, you know, the DOS games, whatever. We, we don't count that. <laughs> uh, were the uh, Redbox games? Mm hmm. Um, I played a lot of those folks, if you're not familiar with the Redbox games, where they were uh, put out by TSR, I think. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, who at the time owned Dungeons & Dragons. Right? Who, who were putting right? out the Redbox. Right, and uh, the games were, like, they were these adventures where uh, you basically, uh, I guess it was 3D in a way, but you were basically just moving from box to box, room to room, and things would pop up. You know, here's a, a rat, here's a goblin, here's a beholder, here's a this, here's a that. And you would fight them. And I don't even remember what the game mechanics were like. But it was one of those things that just, like, it's part of my soul in this weird way <laughs> now. Um, so I, I played those. And then the first game I remember playing that was really uh, kind of mind-changing was a submarine simulator. And I think it was either it was tied to Tom Clancy somehow. It was either Red October or something else Clancy-esque, right? And the thing about it was you can't see anything. I mean, you could when you surfaced and used the periscope to try to attack boats and stuff. But when you were underwater there was nothing to see you were just looking at gauges and stuff and you're you're like having these fights with other submarines shooting torpedoes at them and stuff and obviously looking back on it it must have been like super uh, rudimentary technologically but at the time I thought this is the how can a computer possibly know how to do all these things and, <laughs> and make it so complex like this um, and then eventually, uh, I did get Civilization. I, I've owned every single Civilization, uh, and probably every expansion or DLC, as we call it these days, and every offshoot uh, that there is. So, uh, yeah. In fact, like 
one of the, my wife's earliest memories of me is trying to get me away from civilization. I think it was probably Civ 3 at the time. But, uh, yeah, so I've been having a lot of fun with that. Also kind of cool because my nephews are into it. Um, was down to see the family this past week, our spring break, and uh, got to hang out with them just a little bit, only a couple of, you know, maybe a few hours. Um, they tried uh, to do a uh, giant multiplayer game of Civ, but it turns out that if you try to put five Civilization games on their network at the same time, things go a little bonky. Yeah, um, I can I can imagine that. And so uh, instead, we pulled out Forbidden Island, and uh, nice. Forbidden Island. Uh, we played the first t- game. I said, "Okay, guys, this is. I think there's four levels of difficulty in Forbidden Island." And uh, like, well, let's start uh, on, you know, beginner or whatever the first level is. Okay, sure, let's do that. And we played through, and we did okay, and we got ourselves all four treasures, and we got ourselves to Fool's Island, and we were off, and then they got confident. That, yeah. And so they uh, said, well, let's take it all the way to Legendary. So we took it all the way to Legendary. And and died horribly. I think we got one of the treasures. Yeah. Uh, But yeah. Uh, But they enjoyed it. They had a lot of fun with it. They'd never played a co-op board game before, and uh, you know, I love co-op board games, so... Uh, what about you, man? What you been up to? I sadly have not gotten in a lot of gaming time lately. I, I cite the the aforementioned, the aforementioned yes. house hunting. Uh, we also like even tonight. Uh, my wife's birthday was on the fifteenth of this month, and because our schedule, my wife, our our schedules have been so ridiculous that my my family wanted to get together and have a birthday dinner for her. It is now. 10 days after the fact and we are just able to do that tonight so things are are kind of ridiculous in fact i've even had to cancel my regular netrunner game the past two weeks so needless to say i i am i'm twitching a bit here for some netrunner action so i i have kind of filled in some gaps with some some computer gaming okay and some there there there's some video games that i have been curious about, but I've, I haven't picked up. Like, it's funny, like, the second you started saying that, you know, being a fanboy of a series, I've realized that my one fanboy... Well, both of the fan, fanboying... that fan, Fanboying? Did I just make fanboy a verb in and of itself? The ones that I kind of had that ultimate fandom for, one died because the series died, and two, the other one died because Squeenix, basically. Okay. The first one, the one that died because the series died, was the Legacy of Kane games. I never played those. I, oh my goodness, as as a kid, I I played every one of the Legacy of Kane games. I played them to their utmost. I I went full on completionist when it came to those games. Um, I I had to know everything, find every secret. I was fascinated by the characters, I was fascinated by the world, and I will say that I'm very excited because apparently there's going to be a game set in 
the the world of Legacy of Cain, it, it's basically called Nazgoth, which is the name of the world. And I'm super excited about that. I hope they don't screw it up because I love that world. I'm fascinated by it. Uh, on the other end, I have I've played every Final Fantasy game in existence. That's what I assumed you were talking about. But uh, uh, I I can't I I can't fathom what they've done with the Final Fantasy series. Well, I I think it might be fair to call Final Fantasy the most evolved game. Right, and it evolved to a horrible, disfigured nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> now I. You know, if there, if there are people who enjoy them and more power to them, I just, I never want to see another Final Fantasy game again, and so help me if they put lightning in another one, I'm going to cry. Okay, so, a couple things. One, uh, I know you're not an iOS guy, you're an Android guy, but there's a ton of early Final Fantasy-like games out there for phones. Uh, I wondered, have you tried any of them? And two... There's several actual Final Fantasy games for phones that are insanely overpriced, at least in the iOS store. Yes, because Square Enix thinks that because they have courted us and teased us with their awesomeness that we will come running and pay anything. Final Fantasy, all the bravest. I'm not even going to talk about it, because... I, I don't even know that. No, the internet is ripe with videos and... And podcasts and people who, you know, we we do episodes like this every once in a while where we primarily talk about video games occasionally. Sure. Just type in Final Fantasy All the Bravest and just let the internet inform you of this <laughs> travesty of awful. It basically is an insult to all things gaming. Not even all things Final Fantasy. All things gaming are insulted by Final Fantasy All the Bravest. So I, there's there's talk that eventually one of the one of my favorite Final Fantasy titles, which was Final Fantasy Tactics, will eventually be available for Android. And the minute that does, I'm sure Squeenix will make me pay like fifteen, twenty, twenty five dollars for it. It's fifteen bucks on iOS. Okay, so it'll probably be the same on on Android. I I will buy that because Final Fantasy Tactics was it's one of my favorite games of all time. But, yeah, I just, I hate getting... Oh! My goodness! Sorry, I did what you said. Are you currently <laughs> looking up Final Fantasy All the Bravest? Yeah. Wow! Yeah, I, I would talk more about it, but it I would spend the rest of the episode talking about its travesty. So, uh, let's talk about better things than that. So, yes, go out, look I've it up. I've never seen scores this low! Yeah, don't... Yeah, trust me. You'll find horrible, horrible nightmares. Anyway... It's been a while since I've gotten into a game, but I I have uh, there's a couple that are, are kind of on my radar right now. Obviously, Hearthstone. I, I I'm still enjoying the heck out of Hearthstone. I still play at least a couple times every few days, and I'm I'm intrigued because Blizzard is coming out with an adventure mode. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, it it hasn't come out yet, and I don't know exactly. If they're going to make it a paid thing, or if they're going to make it just, you know, you have to go through it or something. But basically... It could could be maybe a revamp of the training practice kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm not... Well, basically what happens is once you go through it, you get 
there are cards that unleash and stuff like 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 legendaries that get unleashed. A lot of this one because it if you've ever played World of Warcraft, this is basically next Ramus. You are pretty much taking your deck as your hero going through next Ramus. And so the cards that you get at the end of them are all going to be like death rattle stuff that that it's all super thematic and super like undeady kind of awful, like plague-ridden kind of craziness. I'm super excited about it because, it, it one, it's a new game mode, and quite frankly, having not put money into this game, eventually I love playing something that doesn't involve me coming against somebody who's clearly either played way too much or spent way too much on this game. Because right now I'll get to a point and I'll, I'll win a lot of times, I'll lose sometimes, but then I'll hit a wall where, like, oh, look, you have seven legendaries that show up. And, oh, look, there's, you know, you have two co- two of those cards that are super rare. And, you know, I'm just like, eh. So another, another game mode in that is going to be fun. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I also have been playing a game which, as, as a, a student of all things history and myth, I'm sure that, that you would find it int- intriguing I've been I've been playing a lot of the game called Smite. Okay. And Smite, I know a lot of our audience isn't necessarily into the kind of PC gaming that that we're talking about here. So, uh I will say that it for those of you who do play, it's it's a MOBA. It's a battle arena, an online battle arena where every player takes the takes on the character of some kind of mythological pantheon. You are basically playing, like, there's the Greeks, so you can play as Zeus, you can play as so many of the freaking guys. You can also, there's the Greek pantheon and the Roman pantheon. You also have the Mayan pantheon, the Chinese pantheon, and the Norse pantheon, which, oh my goodness, I, I make people hurt when I play Freya, who is the queen of the Valkyries. But it's it's a ton of fun, and and a lot of it is really neat because I, I'm discovering because it's it's all loosely based on actual myth, on on real mythological deities, and so it's really kind of interesting, especially because I I pick something up like like at one point I was playing as basically a talking howler monkey, and I'm like, what the heck is this? <laughs> so I, I did a little research, and it's really I'm finding out all this incredibly cool stuff. Like, I was playing as Hun Bats, the the howler monkey god of, of the Mayan pantheon. I'm like, I never knew this guy existed. He is awesome. And uh, they're, they're, you know, like like these kind of games do, they're, they're adding more and more characters. Right. It's it's really kind of, kind of spectacular. And like most of these games, I've been playing with friends. And that Oh my goodness, that kicks up to a whole other level. It's fun, it's entertaining when I'm playing by myself with a bunch of random strangers. But when I get, you know, when I fire Skype up and I'm playing with people I know, this game is awesome. <laughs> so I, I have a ton of fun playing that. That has taken up a lot of my, my gaming time as well. But I will also, kind of bringing these together, bringing the video game and the you know, tabletop gaming together. Can I just say, I, I've put it on my page, I've put it on the tavern, I've, I've, 
I think I've mentioned it to several people in person. The guy I'm playing in our our inroads uh, Pathfinder play by post, without doubt, without hesitation or or any question in my mind, I will tell you that Drogon Anvil Song, my level one dwarf bard, <laughs> is my favorite character I have ever played in my. 16 or 17 years of role-playing. I love this guy. (laughs) There have been times I've joked around about playing a dwarf bard in other systems, but it it does not work. Especially in in such, you know, numbers-heavy, the super crunchiness of things like D&D, and and especially D&D now. But... Oh my, I, I have had so much fun. My guy is basically a, he, he's a bar singer. He's a storyteller and a bar singer. And he, oh, I, oh it's so much, I, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have to just, I mean, I know before we got started, I have to, I had, I shared some of it with you, but Luke, I'm going, for the sake of our audience, I'm going to I ask you to, yeah. I, I think I'm gonna have to, you're gonna have to deal with me repeating some of these, because um, a lot of, of why I love this play-by-post, and if you've never played a play-by-post, check it out. Either if it's Pathfinder or some other game or well, whatever. I think that's it. It's, this is important for us to talk about because when we f- first put this idea out there... Neither one of us had ever played. <laughs> we didn't know how it was going to go. I mean, this was an experiment. We were open with the fact that it was an experiment, and it sounds like so far at least... Experiment's going well. Oh, I'm I'm a huge believer in this system right now. I don't think I personally could ever run a play by post because I I can GM the heck out of a table game where you get like between four and six people to play a table game. I can run that like a champ. This oh my goodness, there are multiple plot lines happening and this guy is getting secret messages and this is happening here and only you know this aspect and you can, oh my goodness. Right now we've got, our party has kind of separated into two groups. There's one of, one half of our little unit is trying to basically do the, the bureaucracy. They are talking to the people, they're trying to cut off these bad guys at the pass they are trying to make it so that they can't take their cargo, which is basically the entire population of a town, and they can't take them away because we've got our guys locking down their escape route. My guy is in the other half, and we're currently going through the tunnels underneath their secret base to try and, and surprise them from below. And so it we're just getting to, to where... Everything is starting to get really, really good because Jeff is on fire when it comes to this story. My guy is actually having a, a pretty decent part in this 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 particular story arc because the big bad guy is somebody that my guy knows from his past. So there's all these little things that Jeff sends me and little messages and little spoiler warnings and everything like that. And it's really kind of cool because... We're all seeing different stuff, but none of us is necessarily sharing any of it because you can actually put in the little spoiler text. So you have to physically click a button. I think I've mentioned that before. Right. Yeah, I think you yeah. have. But we've all we've all made it 
because there's both there's in character stuff and out of character and out of character all of us have said no it's really tempting but I'm really 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 not going to click those spoilers for the other people because we all want to sure but it's been <laughs> one thing I'm discovering about my guy is that the mechanics of a bard is that the you start the performance and that's your your that's one round it's a standard action and to maintain that performance you basically use it's a minor action which as far as mechanics go, you basically tell you know the GM as a minor action, I'm you know continuing to my performance. Sure. Well, Drogon being a dwarf of powerful authority, his his performance specialties are oratory, which is storytelling, and percussion. So Jeff asked me, he's like, "What do you want your what what's like your flair when it comes to?" how you want to do this. He told me about some of the other bards that he's worked with in the past and how they choose to, you know, for the sake of the character. So I said, my guy has always considered himself a bar singer. I think my guy's going to hurl insults. (laughs) And so especially when it comes to maintaining this one particular performance, which is the one he does more often than not, called Inspire Courage, which basically makes it, you know, all of the team who can hear me hit harder and hit better. So the whole idea is is that I start the performance and the performance is me basically just insulting and belittling the people that we are fighting. I've had so much fun with this. It's it's I can't help it because every once in a while I find myself typing these out and I'll just giggle to myself. <laughs> because I just have so much fun coming up with new ways to do this. There, I'll give you one in particular. The whole, like I said, there's a lot of backstory that's going on. I won't bore you with that, but this in this last fight, we're fighting these two dwarves that are this this like elite group of fighters called the Black Hammers. And so my insult for this round to maintain the inspiring courage is Black Hammers. And here I was actually tempted to let you live. Let me explain this in a manner you thick-headed meat sacks will understand. Die. <laughs> I I. I have so much fun with this. <laughs> and I, I will say that a, a, all of our guys are are doing such a good... Like, their characters are really coming together. And we're starting to form, like, little alliances. And not, not like, like, pushing out other people. But just our characters are coming together. We've, we've passed that tavern moment where we're like, Oh, hey, look, we're all here together. And, oh, hey, look, there's a job. Let's go do it. We're starting to get past that, and we're starting to see certain characters, like like Drogon. I'll tell you right now, uh, Drogon has a particular fondness, shall we say, with a couple of the guys, especially the guys that are in the tunnel with him right now. He, in spite of the fact that he had, he kind of had a falling out with the one, the guy who's his his character's name is Carl Marsh. He kind of had a falling out with him, but at the same point, he still kind of like just really enjoys. I don't know, like bantering with him, and it's 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 fun. I, I don't want to spend too much time just talking about all the different stuff, but the characters are really really interesting, and just the both in the nature of the gameplay, and the just the, the little back and forth that we have. I I'm really really enjoying this game. I I will straight up say this: um, if there are people who want to run games, and you want to say, hey guys. You know, can you uh, 
kind of promote my play-by-post, email us. Because I want our listeners to be able to have this available to them. Because, yeah, this is quality, and it should be experienced by everybody. That's cool. I'm glad that the uh, the experiment is going well. I, I think you're also liking Pathfinder. Um... I like the system a lot. Like, there's still a lot that I need to learn, obviously, because I'm kind of... I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants, which I can yeah. do with a play-by-post. And Pathfinder is all... It's, it's not a streamlined system. No. It's a very complex system with, like, 18 bazillion choices every time you create a character, every time you level, every time you... There's a lot of choices. <laughs> right. And, and, and I get that. And there are certain things like... Like, I still ask Jeff and the other players, I'm like, hey, like, even this last round, I dazed somebody. It's the first time I've used that spell. And I'm like, hey, it doesn't have, uh, like, how do, how does this work mechanically? Do I just say, poof, you're dazed? And and how does this happen? And, right. you know, but even then, the play-by-post method works really well because I can do that in out-of-character text and be like, I think this is how it works. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, and I think it's the play by post thing. It's very role play y, if that makes sense. You know, yeah, we've talked about this in the past that that uh, some versions of, uh, of role playing have become much more about uh, rolling higher numbers to yeah, hit things right. harder. I mean, it, it's uh, more of a tactical minis tabletop type game and I, and I really think I I think I kind of get the reason why okay uh, and let me I'll, I'll throw back since we're talking kind of about video games today uh, I know you played wow yep uh, I did as well uh, so back in the day when I first sat down to play wow I noticed that there were lots of different kinds of servers or not lots but a handful yes you can play uh, a PvP server or not. And, uh, of course, the difference there is anybody can beat on you whenever they want, more or less. I, I and, played on a role-playing server, personally. And there were role-playing servers, and there were role-playing versions of both PvP and PvE servers. And, theoretically, on the role-playing <laughs> server, what you were going to find was I, people I love, playing... Yeah, I love that you said theoretically. In character, and uh, so I jumped in, and I kind of started playing in character, and you find out really, really quick that nobody's playing in character. Nope. And uh, I, I think, in a way, some of the more tabletompy role-playing games are were an attempt to reach out to people who didn't want to talk in an accent, who didn't want to say funny things, but for some of us... Those kind of things, the laughing and talking around the table and making up jibes to have your dwarven bard sling around, is part of the fun. And, uh, you know, so I think that it, it, it's part of the life of role-playing games. But, for a long time, it's been missing. And I think one of the reasons for that also is that if you don't have a good group of people who are all willing to play the role, it's a bad experience. Uh, you know, to have the the one guy who's he's always doing something that's silly. You know, or uh, I can... I've played in games where there's always the one guy who's just going off doing something dumb because he wants to be... He's not playing the character. He's just 
doing silly stuff. Right. Uh, you know, I mean, it would be one thing if the character was, you know, he was a kender, he was about doing silly stuff or whatever, <laughs> but he, he wasn't, you know. I hate uh, kender player characters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I think, you know, with the commitment that you guys make to actually have to sit there and type out and write out all of your words, you're, um, you know, it's not just about throwing dice. I mean, don't get me wrong. When you throw a dice and you need a 19 and you roll a 19, that's awesome, right? You cheer and you jump up and down. That's great. But uh, you can't... I mean, it would be extraordinarily boring just to be like, slash roll d20. Yeah. I I attack the uh, goblin, slash roll d20. I mean, that would get dull really, really fast. And so to keep that experience entertaining... You guys are putting yourself into you're really role playing. Well, and that there, there's a huge bit to that because moment to moment, like like right now, I'm the only person with an in combat heal, and because Pathfinder is Pathfinder, I can only do that with my charisma bonus three times a day. Okay, that's if I that's it. That's that's all I've got. So I have to be very judicious with the, the timing and the placement, especially because in this game, if I do that, it's my action. It means I'm just sitting there, and the bad guys don't stop while I do that. So they have basically free reign to smack me upside the back of my head while I'm trying to heal somebody. So in this last this last fight, well, technically, we're still in this fight. Um, one of our guys is hanging on by a thread. He's got, like, one hit point left. And I really don't want to see how the unconscious mechanics work in Pathfinder. But So I'm sitting there going, do I heal him? And I go, I don't think my guy does, because mechanically it's going to put me in a lot of danger, and we're probably I'm probably going to just... I'm probably going to need the heal myself if I heal him now. But I could just say, I'm not healing him, I'm just going to swing at this guy. But what ended up happening was, I brought it inside the head of the character, and I said, I said, I need more time. If I do this now, we're all going to die. We're all going to suffer. I need to just put this guy down. And then I can worry about healing him. And, And so instead of it Instead of it just being, I can't do that, I'm just going to do this instead, it became this this internal tension where Drogon realizes it's kind of his responsibility to keep him alive, but sometimes doing that means putting an axe in a guy's face rather than stepping away to heal. And it just it just takes on this whole other level when you do it that way, when you when you put yourself into that character. Okay, so you're bringing up an interesting issue here, and it's something I've been thinking about kind of a lot lately. And we can even take it back to board games here, even though we've been we've been talking about video games a little bit in this episode. But I mean, the gaming in general, I think this this topic fits. Okay, and it really is about making choices. Okay, so I can remember probably the first video game where I was like, "Wow, I am making serious choices here." was probably Red Dead Redemption. I mean, you know, there's the Mass Effect games out there, there's the Dragon Age games out there. But the one I felt it was Red Dead. And he, and, and then uh, 
by the way, spoiler land. Okay, <laughs> sorry, it's a really old game. Yeah, the system's pretty much not even out anymore. Okay, um, so you're doing this right, and you're playing through this whole game, and it's got this incredible uh, freedom. You're feeling all this freedom and all that, and you get to this amazing uh, ending and this incredible uh, denouement, and you get to this thing, and at the very end, you don't have any choice. In fact, you you can't put the gun down. You can't turn away. The game will not finish unless you pull the trigger. And I, I felt at that moment like, oh, this kind of sucks. What if I wanted to turn around and walk away? It would be okay. You know? And that that kind of just gets down to the reality that any game that is made has constraints that are put on the player. Well, it has to. Of course it has to. And the the level of those constraints implies or, or creates a sense of choice. But in fact, your choice is a limited set. Even in something where you've got, you know, it seems like there's all of these different possibilities... Uh, oftentimes, your choice is a very limited set. And so, I've been playing, uh, since we started doing this show, just a ton of board games. You know, I used to play maybe 10 board games a year. Now, I play 10 board games a month. Right? Any given year, I probably play 50 to 75 games. New games, I mean. And so... When you play all these games, you start to notice themes and things that aren't that you might not notice if you were just playing one game every now and again. Oh yeah. And one of the things that I've been kind of I I, I don't I, I don't have my finger put on it yet, so that's kind of why I want to have the conversation in this episode is about choice, especially in board games. And are you playing the game, or is the game playing you? You know, so uh, a game that we've talked about on the show a lot, and so I'll use it as an example because it's a good example, is a co-op game called Castle Panic. And uh, I won't go into describing the game because I've done it a lot. There's lots of episodes where you can find out about Castle Panic. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are monsters that go in a bag and you pull those monsters out. Now, of course, the order that the monsters come out is randomized. But the game designers had to build the game in such a way, had to balance the game in such a way that it would be very close at the end. You're either going to be really uh, close to dying, and you're going to either die and almost have finished off the monsters... Or you're going to finish off the monsters and be really close to dying. It's the only way to make a co-op game like that where you're playing against the game interesting. Right. Right. If they gave a wide range of possibilities where one game you could just slaughter the monsters like they weren't even there. And the next game the monsters just ran over you like you weren't. That wouldn't be a fun experience. They had to, by design, limit the end games to relatively close to keep that tension. Well, when you've played that game enough times, you, you realize that because they had to put those constraints on the game, in some ways, your choices are 
predetermined. There's very little, I mean, you could make wrong choices, so to speak, but if you're going to play and you've played it a few times and you know the, the, the strategies, there's a way to play the game. And maybe the perfect example of this is something that we never talk about on this show, but card games, okay? So let's take a game like Blackjack. You can play Blackjack perfectly. Heck, there are books and books and books written about right. how to play Blackjack now, properly. Now, this does not mean you will win every time. Okay? There's still randomness. However, it means that a, a, a complete computer could play and do just as well as the best player in the world. And somebody who's never played the game could spend 10 hours memorizing what they need to memorize and play as good as the best player in the world at the game. And, you know, that gets me to thinking about these games, and are we playing the game, or is the game playing us? And is one of the reasons why there's this cult of the new, the fact that we always want to play a new game, we always want to play a new game, is because when we realize that when we play a game repeatedly, we find out that there's a limited set of experiences within that game. And then, of course, there adds in the, the, another option, and that is what happens when you're playing a game where you're in conflict with another person. Well, I, I think uh, the ultimate example of, of that, you know, that understanding that if you play it so many times, you begin to understand the mechanic, the patterns, the, the ultimate choices, and the ultimate strategy, uh, Pandemic. Okay. If you really start to play Pandemic a lot, you start noticing, okay, this needs to get taken care of. You need to get here. This needs to happen. This person right. needs to be here in order to cure the disease. This needs to happen this way. Like, is it foolproof? No. I mean, you still have to have the right cards. You still have to be in the right place. But as far as the strategy goes, you kind of know where you need to be. That's why the expansions have happened because the expansions start bringing stuff in like the uh-huh. bioterrorist and other stuff that that kind of takes the mechanic and, and turns it on its head. Right. But at the straight up base game, while I still have a lot of fun with it, I, I still enjoy the heck out of it. But as far as wondering how to approach it, I, I kind of know how to do that now. Okay, so let me back up just a little bit and kind of try to get a little bit weird with this conversation. Okay. So let's go to the simplest roll and move game. Okay? I don't know what that game is, but I'm sure there's a game out there where all you do is roll dice and do whatever it says on the board. So you roll your dice, and you're probably going to have a fairly unpleasant experience with that game. Right? Because you have no choice, so to speak. It's all in the dice. Right. So then you can take the next step, where maybe there's branching paths in that game. And so now you can choose which path you want to go. So all of a sudden there's, there is a uh, element of choice, there's an element of strategy to it. And of course you still have your randomness. Theoretically, you're going to have a more satisfactory experience playing that game than the game before that, right? Right. But the fact of the matter is your moves are still constrained and they're still determined by random throw. 
it just looks like you have more places to go. Now, of course, we can get more complex where we have maybe a longer path with better stuff or a shorter path but more dangerous. And now you're starting to have more strategic decisions uh, and you still have your randomness. And my point is is that every time you're making a so-called choice, really all you're doing is just playing out part of the algorithm. right? The, a board game is a giant algorithm that determines how the game is going to end. And you can add a lot of complexity into that algorithm. So it looks like everybody's in complete control, everything's completely random, uh, you know, we're, the way you play the game, your abilities and all that kind of stuff, but you can figure out how to game that algorithm, figure out how to play perfectly. And when you play perfectly, again, still with the randomness in there, you should win in a greater percentage of the time. You with me? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. tracking with you. That You're just laying down a lot of information there. But I am. I, sorry. I, I, I am with you. Uh, so the question then becomes, why does the appearance of choice, knowing full well that that choice is still held within a constrained system, give us so much more enjoyment. Do you, do you have a theory on that? <laughs> well, um, in, in a way, I, I kind of don't. You know, uh, you can go back and say, well, is this not the biggest question in, in humanity? Are we free creatures that go and make our choices? Or are we just the inevitable result of a whole lot of random die rolls? And is our life something that we are under our own control or is it the effect of everything that has come before us as we move through an algorithm that is determined and yes it seems to us that within this this life we have choices but in fact we are running through an algorithm that is taking us to a predetermined place and then of course we add in to that complexity the belief we have in God and the idea that God somehow manages life and that he knows where we're going and that he has a plan for us and yet we don't know what that plan is but we are theoretically living according to that plan so again we are like players in a board game where it looks to us like we have a complex series of choices ahead of us, but in fact, we are being routed through the algorithm of life, an algorithm that was designed by God, maybe a specific algorithm for us, I don't know, but uh, an algorithm that was uh, determined for us before we came into this world to go to an experience and a place and a life that he knows about already, and yet we think it's just a bunch of dice rolls and choices that we make. To me, that's saying something well I, yeah I, I i my head is still spinning a little bit from all that that you just brought on and i was f- fun that you know we basically gsp'd this conversation in the fact that we started out on just randomness and ended up with the most profound things that we've said in a while i i really it's it to me this whole thing is embracing the tension between you know the the sovereignty of god and the freedom of his people Yes, which I, I love the fact that it's tension. There are some people who who kind of just 
consider it contradiction. I don't think it's contradiction. I think it's tension. Because on one hand, you have the fact that that as free people, we must decide to follow after God. We must put our faith in him. But at the same point, you know, the Bible itself says that, that none of us understand God unless he first comes to us. And so you're like, so wait, I won't understand God unless he comes to show me how this works. But at the same point, I'm the one who decides that I buy that he's the one that, and, you know, I've always looked at that and just been fascinated by it. The, the, the difference between the way that God chooses to deal with us and, and I'm trying to find the right word to describe it. Our, our, our freedom to choose within the well, fact that, that he has placed this on us, kind of. I guess what I'm hoping to get across here, and maybe I'm not doing a good job of it, it's, it's, this is one of those issues that's hard to talk about, because, like you said, uh, it does exist in tension. When, when, you're, when you're dealing with the tension, you're dealing with tension. <laughs> yeah, well, right. There, there's a certain irrationality to the thing. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to explain is that sometimes when people think about God, and when they think about this idea of a div- and and it doesn't okay you can take Yahweh out of the equation we'll just go back to the generic God if that if if you want to but when they're deciding you know am I an atheist or an agnostic or a believer they say well look okay what's this God there's a God out there he's all powerful and he knows everything you know and so therefore he determines everything that's lame. Well, that's kind of like saying, let's play a board game that just was a roll and move and has a single track. Let's and, play Monopoly. You know, uh, not even Monopoly, right? Like something even... Shoots like the board game. Yeah, I guess. I, I don't think I've ever played... Candyland. Candyland. I don't think I've played that either. But okay. Yeah, something like that, right? Where, But we'd hate that. We'd never want to play that, right? But... but the fact of the matter is these complex Euro games that we love and that we play and these co-op games that we love and that we play they're just that roll and move with a lot of added complexity and choices but in the end every board game is an algorithm that determines the outcome and yet when we play that game we're really satisfied you know we, we, we feel as if we have we have played the game, right? And I guess what I'm trying to get across is this idea that God is sovereign is so much more complex than, well, he just decides for you what happens in your right. life. And, uh, you know, oftentimes when we, we come across people who try to to deny our faith or to, to, to deny God... They are setting up these straw men. And, and I think it's helpful for us to have ways to show that, no, that's a straw man. That's not how God is interacting uh, with the world. And, you know, that's one of the things that for me, in my own personal journey, has been both difficult and helpful. Because as Christians, we can kind of set up straw men, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we can set up a kind of faith that is is just as ridiculous as 
well, God has turned you all into automatons that have to do exactly what he willed for you to do. And when you decide, I'm going to discard that, and I'm going to embrace this weird tension in the middle. Things get better, but harder. And I think most people don't want to engage the hard so they don't get the better. In the same way that some guy might come along and look at a video game like Civilization or a board game like uh, Agricola or, uh, you know, Game of Thrones or whatever and go, "Uh, yeah, I'm not interested in this. That's too complex. I'm out of here. And they don't get to experience that fullness of what a board game can be. And when we decide, when we look at our faith and go, I just want the simple answers. Right. We don't get to experience <laughs> the fullness of what God has for us. Simple answers tend to suck. Let's just call that what it is. I mean, look, I'm all for a couple of simple answers. Right? I, I'm, I'm good with, like, some creedal-level simple answers. Right. So, something to stand on. Right. You know, I mean, I love, and I don't, I, I'm sure that it's apocryphal. But I love the whole, you know, somebody came to Carl Bart at the end of his career and said, you know, Dr. Bart, you've been teaching the scriptures for your whole life. You know, what is the most important thing in the, that, that you've come to know in your life? And he basically says, uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. In college, there were a handful of us that would get together and we referred to ourselves as the Simple Theologians Club because we were all Bible college students, we were all ministry majors, we spent a lot of time reading big books with tiny print about <laughs> about ancient texts. And every once in a while, we we determined that if nothing else, we would go to the, the little cafe that we had in the school, we would get a cup of coffee, we would lift that cup of coffee high and recite the oath, which is simply... Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. <laughs> right. And so, look, there is a place for some levels of simplicity, and, and we don't want to say that that's bad, but on the other hand, and I know I have been rambling like crazy this episode and throwing a whole lot of random stuff out there, so I, I apologize for that. This, this episode, I just realized, this episode is the embodiment of your point. <laughs> There's a okay. lot of ridiculous complexity in the things that you said, Great. but if you can deal with it and you can sift through it, there's a profound truth there. Awesome. Yeah, I'm a professional speaker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, the lesson here is we know it from board games. We know it from video games. We love complexity. Complexity gives us the opportunity, even if it's a... a even if at the very end, we have to agree that the opportunity is somewhat illusory. It gives us that opportunity for choice and that opportunity for freedom. And, uh, it, you know, I think that when we embrace a complex version of God, we have so much more freedom in our faith, so much more opportunity in our life to experience God in ways that we we wouldn't if we didn't embrace that complexity, that it's worthwhile and it's a worth thing worthwhile thing to do. Can I drop the mic now? Do it. Just drop All it. Right. Just make it. <laughs> Alright, man. So how can folks uh, find out more about what we do? Though I don't know that anybody will want to after 
<laughs> what I just threw down. People, people, if, if, I, I feel for anybody who this is their first episode because they're gonna be like, oh, they're talking about video games. Oh, okay, they're they are talking about role playing games. Oh, they're talking about. Uh, why are my ears bleeding? I don't understand yeah. this. Yeah, but but for those, and we have them all the time. People are like, why don't you, why don't you get more into the deeper things? And how come you just talk a little bit about spiritual stuff? Bam! There you go. There you go. Every <laughs> once in a while, we got to throw in an episode, you know, to keep those people happy. Yeah. But uh, basically, oh, you're going to go to inroadsministries.com and go to our contact page. You're going to find all sorts of different places to get in touch with us there. Again, I'm not kidding. If you want to run a game and you want us to promote it, I'm I'm all for that. The more I'm getting into play-by-post, the more I realize that, that cool stuff happens. And for all of our guys on the play-by-post right now... Uh, I hope that you guys will will comment on this. If you don't want to comment on this, either on the Inroad site or the Game Store Profits site, even go to the Tavern, which is our Facebook group, and make comments there because we want to hear from you guys too. Because like I can say how awesome things are, and you know I can cite the fact that most of you guys left comments on the discussion board that said you guys like what we're doing and that you like the, the game. So I'm trusting that you're going to say nice things, but we want to hear from you too. Email us uh, if if you want to get in, in a game, you want us to promote your game. Uh, contact at inroadsministries.com. You have all the twitters, all the everything that's on that page, and yeah, as far as that's concerned, we're, we're also going to be. You can check the site for news as well. Um, here's here's literally breaking news at this moment. I just had Derek White, the geek preacher, as we're recording this, ask me if I want to host the Faith and Gaming panel at Gen Con this year. So, (laughs) if if you're going to Gen Con, that might be a thing. And uh, so, needless to say, a lot of cool stuff is happening with the ministry. If you want to be a part of it, uh, definitely get in touch with us. All right, man. Enjoy your garage sale. (laughs) I'm just hoping that, you know, I'm not going to spend my evening dreaming about tiny little day glow dots with price tags on them. Dollar. That's a dollar. Two dollars there, fifty fifty cents. Dude, enjoy your garage sale could totally become our enjoy your burrito. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right, folks. Uh, as always, boy, if you don't know it after this episode, know it now that God is the game master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. <laughs>